How you guys doing today? You guys uh, alive, awake, you know, in a cold morning like this morning? Uh, I've heard it said that a church that is alive is worth the drive, so I want to thank you guys for coming out today. And so I briefly want to do a, a quick introduction of sort of who I am. You know, you guys may have seen me in the atrium, and you're like, that's the guy that, you know, he owns, you know, his family owns this excavation business. Why is he up on the stage preaching? You know, what's going on, right? And so um, I first want to introduce to you uh, my, my better half, uh, smarter half, better looking half, and, and my beautiful, amazing wife, Shannon. If you guys want to put that picture up on the screen. And uh, she is phenomenal. Don't be mistaken by the picture that, that we are perfect and that we, we have it all figured out. Amen? Um, we have our, our marriage counselor probably in the audience here today, so we, we don't try and pretend like we've, we've got this, all, this whole thing figured out. But uh, my wife and I, we have four amazing children, ages four, six, eight, and ten. And uh, they are truly a blessing to our family. But just to, to give a, a little bit of backstory of, of how we've got to where we are today, uh, my wife and I grew up attending the same church. Uh, we went to, uh, you know, basically through our teen years, we, we were in the same uh, church. We met there. We got married. I was involved in youth ministry for over 10 years. And uh, my wife was the director of, of the children's ministry. And, uh, you know, we started, you know, having children and uh, on a pretty rapid pace. So over the next eight years, we had four children. And so life was pretty busy. And I've learned one thing in, in my short life is that there are seasons for everything, right? There's seasons for everything. And we began to recognize that our season and the grace that God has put on our life to do what we were doing uh, had seemed to be kind of not there. And it led to having conversations where we felt like God was saying, you know what, your time here is done. We have something different, another place for you to go. And those conversations led to us talking about a place called Moncton Wesleyan, all right, which was actually, uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, I graduated from uh, Moncton Christian Academy. I started in kindergarten all the way up to grade 12. So some of the teachers, you're here in the audience, and you are, you're kind of probably a little disappointed that you have to listen to me again. You thought, you know, that, that was over. Um, and so I can remember us making that transition from we attend here to now we moved to Moncton Wesley in the very next week, and we found our, our place up there in the balcony. And I can remember thinking, you know, just feelings of, of uncomfortable questioning. You know, how many people you question some things in your life when you make significant transitions? And it comes a time when you have to re-identify who you are, right? Where we were before, everybody knew us. You know, I was in ministry. That was how people identified me. And I can remember standing up in that, in that balcony thinking, who am I? You ever ask yourself that question? Who am I now? And as we, we continued to come over the next few weeks, as focused as I could be with four children all around us up in the balcony, God showed me a picture of myself standing on this stage preaching to you. And I thought, really? Like, how could that be possible? Like, nobody knows who we are. Uh, you know, I'm not an ordained pastor. I didn't go to Bible school, 
But as we continued to come week after week, that picture became more clear to me. Until today, as I stand here you know, and preach the message today, it is a dream fulfilled that began two and a half years ago that I believe God has been preparing my entire life for this next chapter in this next season of ministry here at Moncton Wesleyan. Can you guys give it up for God today? So if you are in the balcony today, uh, two years from now, this could be you, all right? So just, just warning you. But today it's my pleasure to be able to talk to you about the Word of God. And it's my goal here that you leave encouraged, that you leave here better than the way that you came in. I believe that, that my prayer is that you would know Jesus more and you would understand that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. So my topic today is, this is your life, are you who you want to be? I have a question for you and I don't want you to, I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want you to get in trouble, all right? But how many of you have ever been pulled over by the police for a traffic violation? Okay, it's something about uh, that whole experience that you seem to never forget, okay? And I will neither confirm nor deny whether that has ever happened to me, okay? But however, my uh, driving abstract is completely clear and I have full 10 points, all right? But anyway, I do have some great stories that I hope to maybe share to you about that. But growing up, we, we were in this excavation business, and along with that is, comes dump trucks. And so it was almost a company pol- or it was almost a family policy that when you were 18 years old, you were required, okay, to get your class one commercial license. It was just kind of, you know, it was just this unwritten rule that our family just sort of had that expectation about us. So I can remember being 18 years old, and now I attain my class one driver's license, which at the time I looked like I was about 13, okay? And so I can remember uh, if you are driving on the highway, you are required to pull over in what they call these way scales. And so this is kind of new to me, and so I can remember pulling over and you'll pull up on these, on these scales, and they have different lights, and there's an amber light, which means you need to report inside, and green means go. It's pretty simple. And so I can remember kind of being nervous, and of course, I got the amber light, okay? And so I, I pull in, and I can remember getting my paperwork and walking in, kind of nervous. You know, obviously, my, you know, these, these guys are kind of intimidating, and, you know, they're kind of stern with you, and, you know, a guy like me isn't very intimidating, okay? So I, I couldn't pull that one on him, so I'm, my, you know, my goal was I'm going to try and be, you know, I'm going to make a friend out of this guy today. And I can remember walking in and seeing him and recognizing him, and he was somebody that worked out at the gym that, that I was going to. And again, you may question, you went to the gym, okay? Um, Inside of me, I'm really, really 220 pounds, okay? Um, but anyway, the gym never did much for me. But I remember recognizing this guy. And so immediately I thought, my only thing here is I need to be able to, to make some small talk. And so I told him, I said, I've seen you working out at the gym. And so quickly he, he, was, he wanted to tell me all about what he was doing and he was training for this triathlon. And he said this phrase to me that I have never forgotten. He said, This is what I do, meaning his job, okay? But that is not who I am. And can I tell you that there is a big difference between what you do and who you are? Can I tell you that God has a plan for your life 
and he has something significant and amazing for you, but sometimes we mistake in what we do that that's all that we have. All right, and so I want to take you uh, to a verse of scripture found in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 is the story of a guy by the name of Elisha. Has anybody heard of Elisha? If you've been around church long enough, you have heard of the prophet Elisha, okay? And so I want to read to you this story found in 1 Kings chapter 19. And I don't want you to mistake it, okay? There's two people in this story. There's Elisha, which is the young, the young boy we're going to talk about. And then there's Elijah, which is the old prophet. He is, he is the David Way of the house, all right? <laughs> so there's two people in this story, Elijah and Elisha. But right now, I want to highlight Elisha. So I want to read this <clears throat> to you. It says, so Elijah went and found Elisha plowing in the field. There were 12 teams of oxen. Elijah, okay, the old prophet here, went over to Elisha and threw his cloak upon his shoulders, and then he walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go kiss my mother and father. That's how I know this was a fairly young guy, okay? He was probably under the age of 11 if he's still kissing his mom and dad, all right? He said, let me go tell them goodbye. And Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elijah returned to his oxen. He slaughtered them and he used the wood from the plow to make an altar. I think that phrase right there will preach. I think there's some things in our lives that we need to sometimes burn and make an altar, but we won't get into that. He passed the meat around, and then he went with Elijah as his assistant. You see, I love stories when, you know, we know a prophet Elijah, if you've been around church, that, sorry, the prophet Elisha from around church, that he did some phenomenal things. But before there was a prophet Elisha, there was just Elisha. For example, before there was, you know, the great superstar Sidney Crosby, right, there was just Sid the kid, you know, in, his, in, in the basement of his parents' house shooting pucks, you know, at his mom's dryer. Like, how fun would that be, right? But now we know him to be some great superstar. You know, before there was a Justin Bieber, right? Before there was a Belieber and, and, and all that, there was just a kid playing a guitar writing his music, posting it on YouTube, and then now you guys, everybody, he's known all around the world. But before there was a prophet Elisha, here in this story, we have a boy who's plowing in the field. Doesn't seem very significant. Doesn't seem very important. Can I tell you today that, you, that we can't let what we do define who we are? Don't let what you're doing define who you are. You see, what you're doing may not seem significant, but I've spent a large part of my life speaking to teenagers and speaking to people and telling them that inside of you is a gift and an ability that God has placed inside of each and every person. Are you guys with me this morning? 
I believe there is, there is something of significance. There is creativity. There is talent that if we will tap into them, we will discover who God has called us to be. You see, here, here Elisha is. He's, he's out plowing in the field, and I'm thinking to his neighbors and the people around him, he was probably known as, you know, the farmer's son or, or, or a farmer. You know, there's the farmer boy out working in the field. Can I tell you that we can't let culture define who we are? Don't believe the lie that culture, see, culture wants to tell us that we need to dress a certain way. They will define us by the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, the neighborhoods we live in, and the career choice that we decide to go into. And can I tell you that that is a lie? I've had the privilege of, you know, when you're in business, you get to meet some pretty cool people and some people that have done significant things. And I've left many of those conversations thinking, they may have more stuff than I have. They, they may have more money. They may have a nicer house. But I have something that they don't have because I know who I am. Don't let culture define who you are today. Are you, guys, are you guys still tracking with me? Are we doing okay? Don't let culture define who we are. I just got to find my place here. Um, you see, here, here is Elisha going around and around the field, turning up dirt. He's probably thinking, is this all that my life has for me? How many people have ever felt like that? Is this all that my life has for me? We just get up, go to work, go back home, get up, go to work, maybe stop at the grocery store, go back home. And we can often think that this is all that life has for me. But here's what I truly believe. I believe that if we don't quit, if we don't stop doing what is in our hands at that time, our Elijah, the prophet Elijah, will one day show up in your life. An opportunity. Are you guys with me here today? I believe that if you don't quit, your Elijah will show up. There will be an opportunity that will come before you that you will be able to drop that which is lesser and go to something that is much greater for your life today. You see, it's my... (laughs) I think I want you to come sit right up on the front row. Um, don't let people define who you are. You see, here's Elisha. He's out plowing in the field, fulfilling his parents' dream. You see, sometimes, sometimes we allow people's expectations of what they want from us. Oh, this is good. This is good right here. Sometimes we allow people's expectations of us to define who we are. Don't let the people around you, your friends, your co-workers define who you are. I truly believe that there are seeds that are planted on the inside of each one of us that are sometimes laying dormant, you know, with it being so cold outside, right? Why not, right? There are seeds on the inside of us that are lying dormant in you today. That if you could just get in the right environment, 
around the right people, those seeds begin to take root and they begin to, to sprout up and they begin to, to, to turn into things that you never thought were there. Come on, somebody. If you get around the right people and in the right environment, I believe that when we come to church, that the word of God, when it is preached, this word of God is life. And it speaks life to those seeds. And, and dreams begin to be born. And ideas. And there are things in you, listen to me, there are things in you that are yet to be born. But you can't believe what culture is trying to tell you. You can't believe what maybe people are trying to put expectations on you. You need to understand and cultivate the seeds that are on the inside of you and see what your purpose is and why God has put you on this planet. And can I tell you that when that begins to happen in your life, life begins to take on a whole new meaning and life begins to get exciting and life begins to have fun. Come on, somebody. That, that's where we need to live. And so I want to take you to Romans 12.1, and we're going to pull this up on my, my iPhone X here, my supersize. Um, and I, I want us to look at a verse of Scripture because I really want to be able to give you something that will help you on your Monday and your Tuesday and be really practical that we just don't, we don't come up here and just say a bunch of stuff, but I want to be able to help you apply this to your life because, you know, as, as we've talked about, this is a new year and I believe God has good things for you. So Romans 12 verse 1, Romans 12 verse 1 says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Look at the person beside you and say, you need some help. God helping you. All right, so in order to do this, it's saying we're going to need some help from God. And it says, take your everyday, your ordinary life, you're sleeping on the couch, eating cereal, okay, you're going to work, walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what he has done for you as the best thing that you can do for him. You see, we need to understand that God has done something amazing for us. God has provided his son, Jesus. He has provided a purpose in life. And we need to be able to take that and say, God, I am so thankful for everything that you've done for me. God, I am so thankful for, for the marriage that I have and the children that I have. And I want to be able to place this and give it back to you and say, God, I want you to take everything that I do and I want to place it before you and we will see God do something significant in your life. You see, God is a rewarder. How many people like rewards? You know, as a parent, you know, you learn to use rewards with your children, right? But the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come on, somebody. It's time that we have some people that diligently seek God, not for the rewards, but because we truly want to get to know God. We truly want to have a relationship with God. A relationship is all about a choice. Can I be really honest with you? There are days that you can feel like you don't want to be married. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you that you've, there's days that you don't feel like loving your children. There are days that you don't feel like going to work. 
But love is a choice, and we have to make a choice in, in loving God and making him a priority. And so I want to show you guys something so awesome that I believe is going to help us all out today. Are you guys ready? All right, so let's go to Romans 12 too. It says, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, progressively changed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world. It's cultures. What is the culture of the world that we live in? I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but to me it seems very selfish. It seems to be a lot of greed, and it's like all about us. And so Romans 12 is talking about, do not be conformed to this world around us. You know what I mean? If we're not careful, we will adapt and attract everything that culture is throwing at us, right? But it says, be transformed. When I see that word transformed, I think of the movie Transformers. Has anybody seen that movie? All right? I am so lame, I don't watch movies, okay? But for some reason, I know about this character. There's this character called Optimus Prime. You guys know, you guys know who Optimus Prime is? He is an 18-wheeler tractor-trailer, okay, in the movie. And so Optimus Prime looks like just a regular truck that you see going down the road. But Optimus Prime fights for the good guys. He's there to protect and to save. And so when trouble comes... Optimus Prime, are you guys with me, teenagers? You guys know where I'm going with this? Optimus Prime transforms into this amazing, like, fighting machine, okay? He completely transforms into something else. And so the Bible here is talking about be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewing of your mind. You see, we don't come to church just to hear a message and feel good about ourselves, and that's all that Christianity is all about, and we give each other a hug and a fist pump and all this stuff, and then we go home, and that's it, right? Our Christianity is all about renewing our mind. It's about changing the way that we think to what the Word of God says. It's about deleting some things and some things in our past and say, you know what, I am going to transform my mind and my thinking by the word of God. And I know that I'm running out of time here, and, and, but I, I, I want to make sure that we understand that when you accept Jesus into your heart, nothing changes on the ins- outside, right? If you still got a big old pimple on your forehead when you get saved, before you got saved, you still got it, right? Nothing changes on the outside. Our thoughts don't change, okay? When we accept Jesus in our heart, it's a change on the inside. That's why when we meet people that they're like, oh, I go to church and all this stuff, and you're like, ooh, you look like the same person. Why is that? Because nothing has changed, and we have to renew our mind by the Word of God, and then that, check this out, is what begins to happen. This is where you begin to discover who you are. I want to read this in the Amplified Version. It says, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove, are you guys ready for this? This is about to get exciting, okay? This is about to help you out. So as we begin to renew our mind by the word of God, here's what it says, that you will be able to prove for yourself what is that perfect and acceptable will of God for your life. Can I hear somebody say amen? Amen. 
You see, when you begin to renew your mind by the word of God, you begin to forget about all of the negative thoughts and things that people have said to you. You're saying, you know what? With God, I can do all things through Christ. There is nothing that I cannot get through because I have transformed my word of, the word of God and I know that God is for me. He's fighting my battles for me. And you begin to understand who you are in Christ. And I want to tell you that that is when life becomes awesome. That is when life, you begin to discover the person that God's called you to be. And so I, I, want, to, I want to wrap things up uh, with leaving you with three things today. God wants to transform your life from what it is now into what he has called you to be. And I want to leave you with three questions today. What is the picture what is the picture that you have for your life? If I was to sit down and, and talk to you about your dreams and the things that you want to do, can you put on paper the picture of what you have for your life? You see, I believe that when we go home at night and we lay our head on, on our pillow and we close our eyes, I believe God wants us to have a picture of what he has put us on this planet for. It's those dreams that need to motivate us and cause us to make decisions for our future and for our life. And it concerns me that sometimes when people don't know what that is. And if you will take Romans 12 too, and you will take your life and say, God, I don't know what the picture, the dream, the plan you have for me, but I'm gonna take the word of God. And not just because it's Sunday, and not because I just wanna be a good Christian, God, but I wanna open this word of God. Do you see this book? You don't read this book, it reads you. It reads you and it tells you, and God will speak to you through this book of the plans that he has for your life. What is the picture that you have on the inside of you? Number two, what is it going to take? What is it going to take for that dream to become reality? You see, maybe many of you know what that is. You can see the picture, it's very real to you, it's exciting. But it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna mean that maybe you need to go go to school. It maybe means that you need to get rid of some friends that that are influencing you. What is it gonna take for that dream to become reality? It's gonna take something. I can remember, you know, growing up and and in God for some reason called me to ministry in my teenage years. And I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, it was real to me. And I knew that there was a path there and it required that sometimes I had to be alone because there was nobody else that I could be around that was gonna influence me in that direction. 
I would rather be alone than with the wrong people. What is it going to take? And number three, are you willing to pay the price? And I think that's the most difficult one is sometimes we know the picture and we know what it's going to take, but we don't want to pay the price because it's too big. It's too great. But I want to encourage us today that as a church, God has great things for us. He has great things for you as an individual. And it may cost some things, but the Bible always talks about when we give our life to him, we get so much back. We get more than we could ever dream. We could get more than we ever thought were possible. This is your life. Is it who you want to be? Can I get everybody to stand all over this place? And I want to close with one last story. There was a group of students who went over to, to England to study some Bible school students. And they were, they were, they were viewing the different landmarks and they went to a museum of John Wesley. For those of you who may not know John Wesley, he was, he was an evangelist, a philanthropist. He, he started the Methodist movement, which, which is a lot of what uh, Wesleyan church denominations are, but he was gone down in history as a, as a significant man. And these group of college students were, were walking through his home and they, they noticed in his bedroom that there was two marks on the carpet where they, they were told that that's where John Wesley used to, used to pray and call on God for things. And so those college students made their way back down and they were all into the car and they realized that there was one person missing. So they went back up and they found a young man kneeled down in those same spots of John Wesley and he was praying a prayer that he said, God, do it again in me. Do it again in me. And that young boy turned out to be Billy Graham. And I want to I share that story because God is still doing what he's always done, church. God's still healing. He's still restoring. He's still delivering people. And I, my prayer is, is that, God, you would do it again in this church. You would do it again in me. And as we close, we are going to sing a song, I Am a Child of God. And with it being New Year's, and it's kind of the time where we reflect, I want to challenge some of you guys to make a response today and say, God, I want to know what that picture is. God, maybe I've put that picture on the side and I've, I've let it go. But today's my day, God, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reignite that thing. I'm going to pull that back out. God, do in me. Do in me, God. Do it again in me. How many people are going to press in and say, you know what, God, I'm going to take 2018 serious. God, I'm going to find out what that picture is. God, I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to pay the price. All over this place, let's sing this song. <laughs>